Hey, please join me in prayer. Oh Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts together be acceptable unto you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Any sailors? Oh, yes. I got a few sailors. Outstanding. Anybody been on a destroyer? Great. I'm going to have at least one tin can sailor with me. The bridge of a destroyer is a magical place. And I am sorry, almost all of you will never get the experience to see it. It's not big, not even as big as this platform. And it has windows, large glass windows, tempered, that sit about 50 feet above the surface of the ocean. And on either side of the enclosed bridge, there are little balconies. We call them bridge wings. And you can look out over the sea on either side of the ship, fore and aft. Watching sunset over the middle of the Pacific from the bridge wing of a destroyer is fantastic. Being on the bridge of a destroyer, less so below decks, but being on the bridge of a destroyer during heavy weather is amazing. As the ship pitches and rolls and bucks and the, the bow takes green water over it, it's amazing. It's like riding the ocean. But night, a night's different altogether. I can only imagine it's something like space travel. You look out from the darkened bridge, it's completely black. You can't see where the, the sea ends and the sky begins. The stars start to appear and the great glowing Milky Way arches over the ship. Inside the bridge, there are only the dimmest red lights for the instruments. The bridge crew at night is smaller. Most everybody on the ship is asleep, just a few watchstanders. And if you're in a warm climate, the the Watertight doors to the bridge wing will be open and there's a breeze coming through. It's magical. But there are giants in the dark. On June 17, 2017, the USS Fitzgerald, a destroyer, was underway. She was underway 56 nautical miles southwest of Tokyo from Yokosuka, Japan, her home port. And at 1.30 a.m. and 34 seconds, the Fitz crossed the bow of the ACX Crystal, a cargo ship more than five times her size. ACX Crystal, this gigantic cargo ship, has a, at its bow, at its front, under the water, has a thing sailors call a bulbous bow, And it's a long protrusion that helps the ship move efficiently through the water. 
and it's like a spear. And it's speared into the starboard side of the Fitzgerald, below the waterline, between frames 35 and 40, if you're a sailor, into birthing compartment number two. Birthing two is a 1,200-square-foot area, room, compartment, if you're Navy, where 35 sailors were asleep. When the collision happened, gunner's mate first class, Alex Vaughn, was pitched out of his rack, that's what we call a bed, onto the deck. Between the time he was pitched out of his rack and he hit the deck, water was already ankle deep. And it was cold black inside the birthing compartment. The battle lanterns for my sailors, the flashlights that are attached to the wall in case of a power outage, had all been ripped from their, their mounts and were awash under the water. Electricity was cut to the compartment. So Alex picks himself up off the deck in the water. He can hear water pouring into the ship. It's completely dark. He can hear sailors shouting and trying to move through the rapidly flooding compartment. Alex is a senior sailor. He's a first-class petty officer. He's been in the Navy about 12 years. He knows where his rack is in the compartment, and he looks towards the ladder well, the very, very steep staircase on the destroyer. That's the only way out of the compartment, and he can see it. And at the same time, he sees another sailor with a big cut on his head from the light kind of beginning to filter through the, the hatchway. And he sees the sailor going in the wrong direction, and Alex grabs him by the belt and the collar. And as we would say in East Tennessee, Alex is a big old boy. He's 6'3 and goes about 230. And he throws the sailor over to the ladder. He starts moving his way through, grabbing sailors by the collar, shoving them forward. At one point, as the water begins to fill up the compartment, because it's about waist deep now, it's funneling into other spaces inside the ship. Alex sees a sailor who is holding onto the edge of the rack as water begins to pour into the other compartment, sucking this sailor down. Alex makes his way across. He grabs that sailor and takes him to the ladder well and pushes him up and out. Five times he does this. Each time the water is getting deeper and deeper. And then it's up to his neck and he starts climbing the ladder. And as the water rises, he climbs up out of the hatch. And if you know anything about Navy ships, you have to seal the hatch before the water starts coming out the top. If you don't seal it, close it, tighten down the screws, the dogs on the hatch, the rest of the ship will flood and could sink. Alex waits as long as he can because there's still sailors down below. He doesn't know who's alive or who's dead. He just knows not everybody is out of this compartment. His duty is to shut the hatch before it starts to flood the ship. And at the last moment, before he has to shut the hatch, 
he sticks his whole upper body down into the hatch and sweeps with his arm and hits the hand of another sailor who has got his head up in a pocket of air on the overhead. That's the ceiling on a ship. And that sailor doesn't know how close he is to safety, but he grabs Alex's hand, and Alex pulls him out as well, and they dog the hatch. And for the next 16 hours, the crew of the Fitzgerald would, uh, would fight the ship, as we call it in the Navy, to keep her from sinking. Alex's story is not unique, even on June 17th, 2017, on board the Fitzgerald. It's not unique in the Navy or the history of our Navy. You see, we can, we can give people, you, you give with your tax dollars, probably involuntarily like the rest of us, but you give the Navy good equipment and you give us good training. And we in the Navy make sure people are in good health and we insist that they're physically fit but you can't make them go into the flooding dark. You can't make them stand at the base of a ladder well with ice-cold seawater up to their neck, finding other sailors and pushing them up out through the hatchway. There's no program, there's no school, there's no training for that. That comes from a, a readiness of the Spirit. And the Navy has no idea how to create that. Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, says, be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return. Later on he says, if he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn, blessed are those servants he finds ready. And I love the first part of verse 35. Be dressed for action. On a ship, that means a certain thing. Being dressed for action on a ship means you're expecting to take damage. It doesn't mean that you're ready to fire the guns or launch the torpedoes or launch the missiles. Being ready for action is, means you are ready to be hit by missiles and hit by guns and to go into flooding compartments and fight the ship. When we go on board a ship to battle stations, what the Navy calls general quarters, everybody dons flash gear, gear to protect us from burns. You know, I see you smiling. We look stupid because we tuck our pants into our our, our socks and we button our collars up all the way at the top and we put these big gloves on and everybody goes to their battle station on board the ship to be ready for action, to be ready to take damage. Ready not to shoot, but ready to be shot. The chaplain must be present and ready to serve God's people 
at any time. It's when the nation asks the unaskable of its people. Navy chaplains are there to make sure they don't have to do it alone. It doesn't have anything to do with the mission or politics or national strategy. It has everything to do with the souls of people. The Navy is about winning battles. The chaplain is about the dignity and the infinite worth of the human beings we call sailors, marines, and coast guardsmen. And for a chaplain, being dressed for action, it means it happens before the fight. It means being ready to talk to a sailor over a cup of coffee on the mess decks or visit them at their workstation or clean the bilges with them in engineering and talk to them and learn about their struggles. It's kind of weird. There's not an analog for it in civilian ministry. It would be really weird, Wade, for you to show up where your people work and say, hey, I'm just going to hang out with you at work today. But Navy chaplains do this all the time. Over counseling sessions in the wardroom, a million cups of coffee and conversations on the bridge wing. Because Navy chaplains sail with their sailors. A Navy chaplain being ready for battle means being ready to go where other clergy cannot or will not go, bearing the presence of God into the hell of combat. And it happens after the fight as well. When we notify family members that their loved one will not be coming home. When we keep faith with our brother Marines year after year after year after year. That's what being dressed for battle, ready for action, means to a Navy chaplain. My sailors and my Marines, your daughters and your sons, they've got to be ready for the fight. That's part of the job. The chaplain has to be ready for them. Jesus demands as much. See, here's the thing. We read these texts like Luke chapter 12, and we think, that's about the second coming. That's about the end of the world. That's about Jesus returning in glory, and all our troubles are over, and that's true. But if we cut it off there, we're also missing the point. There's another way of looking at it. In Matthew 25, at the judgment, Jesus says, They will ask the king... Lord, when did we see you hungry or sick or in prison? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. In other words, Jesus says, You have no idea when and where and under what circumstances I'll turn up, so you better be ready all of the time. And just like you, I do run into Jesus all of the time. 
Sometimes Jesus is in the brig for fighting. Sometimes her spouse has abandoned her and taken everything in the bank account. Sometimes Jesus shows up as a new sailor saying, I have made a huge mistake in joining the Navy. Sometimes Jesus shows up as a a young ensign trying to qualify, absolutely petrified in whether they'll be able to carry out their duty to the last full measure of devotion. I must be ready for them. And I am 100% certain that Jesus will continue to show up for us both at the times we least expect it. Yes, it might be at 1.30 a.m., 56 nautical miles off the coast of Japan in a flooding compartment, or in the poppy fields of Afghanistan, or in Knoxville, right outside these doors. See, this is the gospel. Jesus calls us to be dressed and ready for action, to meet him, whenever and wherever he shows up, to be ready for the fight, to lean into it and not be afraid. My sailors depend on me to do that. The world depends on us as the church to do it as well. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Amen. Would you bow your heads? This is the part of our worship service where we are convinced that how we respond is still part of worship. Or to put it another way, unless we respond, has it really been worship? And so in a moment, we're going to sing a song, and sometimes we go, well, this is the time where we open it up, and if you've never invited Christ into your life, you've never said, I want want to be a follower of Jesus. I want more than I have now. I need this relationship with the one who has made me this is where we give you that chance and we would love to talk with you and to pray with you and share some more with you about what that means and sometimes we say well this is also the time if if you're looking for community a a place to commit people who will stand with you and help you discover your gifts and abilities and and where god would like to see you labor and work this is this is a place to do that and today we add one more dressed and ready for action. As you've been listening this morning, what's your heart been saying? How has God been nudging and prompting you? And you're saying, yeah, I, I need to step up. Yes, this, God's been dealing with me about this. Or, or I've seen this opportunity, I've just put it off. If we can help you with that decision today, if we can pray with you, talk with you, encourage you, help you ask better questions. We give you this opportunity. Will you stand as we worship together?